Sorry about the hiatus. Yes, Stormy had a relapse. And move this way a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. That's much more yeah. comfy. Stormy had a more of a re another relapse. Mm, she can't catch a break. Um, she tends to get really sick towards the um, end of the year a lot. And mm -hmm. she got a really, really bad cold. Um, after she interrupted our last podcast, Yeah, we ended up having to take her to the hospital the next day. And... And, um, she was still quite ill last Friday, so mm. we, um, we decided just to nix it and take care of her. And, yeah. And, but now we're back! And she's a lot better! And Yay. she's actually at preschool today, which is why we're doing this when it's daylight. That's right. <laughs> and we're kind of awake, although you're all kind of a sleepy head today. I'm a little sleepy. Yeah. I think it's because it's spring here in Australia. Yeah. And because it's now um, a different season here in Armadale, I get hay fever. Yay! So I feel blocked up and, uh, yeah, drowsy. Yeah, and guess what? You actually see me out of pyjamas if you're watching the video. Like, mm -hmm. I've got jewellery on and everything, dude. I even have a watch. Mm. Which I, Stormy's I'm, always playing with, incidentally. Yeah, I'm killing this adulting game today. <laughs> <laughs> so... Ready to find out who we're doing today? Yes. All right, let's get into the murder, guys. So we're doing Alexander Pierce. Oh, so we're going back to the convict yep, era. we're going back to, like, nice. the history of murder in Australia. Mm-hmm. So, for those that don't know, Alexander Pierce is the first recorded cannibal in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite fun. The convict era was uh, quite, quite rough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my legacy came through all right. <laughs> I'm convict stock, by the way. From the first fleet. Yes. Um, but we'll, if you guys want to hear about that, let me know down below. <laughs> I don't mind talking about it. It's fine. But we're going to get on to this guy. So Alexander Pierce, he was born in 1790 in County Monaghan in Ireland mm -hmm. into a Roman Catholic family. Um, before transportation, he was a farm labourer. And he was convicted of the theft of six pairs of shoes and was sentenced to seven years in the colony. So there in Australia. Were, yep, numerous petty crimes like that that uh, could uh, yeah, end up with you in jail and or transported. I think my great-great-whatever-grandfather, um, he went all out and stole a freaking sheep. <laughs> and with, uh, with Ireland... Uh, transportation was a convenient way for uh, mm. for England to deal with uh, troublesome uh, renegades and political rebels. It wasn't just Ireland, it was Scotland as well. That's true, but Pierce was born in Ireland, yeah, so yeah. I'm just saying, it, it does encompass a lot of that northern Britain area. That's right, the rest of the Isles. Yeah, because yeah. it was all Britain then, wasn't it? Because I know Northern Ireland is separate at the moment. Yeah, but that wasn't uh, until the, the 20th century. Yeah, so they were all Britain at that mm -hmm. point. Okay, cool. Thank you. That's correct. Um, the unification I, was in 1801. I wasn't sure. So I just wanted to clarify yeah, that they were all Britain then. All right, so he was transported on the Castle Forbes to the penal colony. colony. I'm going to have really big problems with that word today. I can see it. 
um, on so good. <laughs> on Van Diemen's Land, which is modern day Tasmania. So mm. the little island at the bottom of Australia, that's where he got saved. New South Wales and uh, what was then known as Van Diemen's Land, now Tasmania, they were major hubs for the transportation uh, system to Australia that started uh, in 1788 and lasted on and off until 1868, ended in in WA. That had been the last part of uh, Australia, the, the last future colony, for I think at least a, a decade. I think we touched on this in a previous episode of yeah, our podcast. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But prior to the 1840s, yeah, there was um, quite a thriving... Uh, uh, transportation yeah. of convicts from Britain to, yeah. to the They found paradise and decided to go, ha, oh, let's send our criminals, that'll be fine. Um, so he got sent over. He was, um, that was in 1820, late 1820. Mm-hmm. So he got sent over here. Um, on the 16th of May, 1822, he got done with death of two turkeys and three ducks from the property of a Matt Slines. Mm-hmm. He got 50 lashes and hard labour for 14 days and it was confined at night. Because back then, they weren't confined at night. They just did their thing and did their punishment. So it was that late after he was um, transported that we had his first known um, offence? Here. Here. 1822. 1821. Yep. 1820, um, that was in May of 1821. Cool. 17th of September, 1821, he got drunk and disorderly and absent from his lodging, so he got 25 lashes. So that's 75 lashes so far. Yeah. Uh, 16th of November, 20, 1821, got drunk and disorderly and still in a glass of a wine glass, not a glass of wine, a wine glass, from the property of Peter Copeland. He got 50 lashes, so that's up to 125 lashes. One lash is horrendous enough. Let alone... Obviously, it's not working. Obviously. <laughs> 29th of November, so three days later, he got done for stealing a wheelbarrow and got another 50 lashes and six months hard labour on the jail game. So he got 175 lashes in, like, less than a year. Um, on the 6th of July, 20, um, 1822, he took off into the woods for a while and forged an order with intent to defraud. So they had like paper orders that they had to give people mm-hmm. and he obviously forged one to let him be stupid. Um, to be stupid. Yeah, be stupid. Um, so he was sent to Sarah Island in Macquarie Harbour for the remainder of his original sentence. Now in Hob- in Tasmania, Hobart's... I'm trying to flip it in my head. Hobart's here for you guys mm. and the Macquarie Harbour is here. Like it's across the island from each other. Mm. Um, so that was in July. In September of twenty, so three months, four months, three months between July and September. July to August, August, August September. Se- no, two months. Two months. Two months. Jeez, I can't even count. It's all right. Two months after he got to Sarah Island, he escaped with seven un- other other convicts. So there was um, Alexander Dalton, Thomas Bodenham. William Kennelly, Matthew Travers, Edward Brown, Robert Greenhill, and John Mayer, along with Alexander Pierce. And they all just picked up and took off into the woods. Um, 
They were working on the east side of the harbour, so the harbour closest to Hobart, which will come into... They head to Hobart. Mm. They head, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Greenhill, who um, was friends with Travers, so they were like a, a, a twosome of where the bosses, appointed himself leader because he had an axe. So about... That's all it takes. It does. That's all it takes. Yeah. You have the weapon and you can beat up people, you become the wasp. Whoever um, makes the uh, the gold and whoever has the weapons makes the rules. Yeah. Because well, they're, they're in the power of eyes. Well, you, you change the axe to a chain and that's the chain of command that I hit you with until you figure out who's in rotten command. <laughs> so. That's a very picturesque... Um, I love Firefly. <laughs> I got that from Firefly. <laughs> Yes. Have you mentioned before on this channel, on this platform, that you're a brown coat? I have no idea. I can't remember. Well, now people know you're a brown coat. Yeah. I'm a nerd. Yeah. Um, so about 15 days into the escape, the group was starving, obviously. Obviously. And ended up drawing lots or, or straws. Short straws, long straws. You know, Armageddon, where they, they pick the who stays with the bomb. Um, to determine who would be killed and eaten. Thomas Birmingham drew the short straw and was killed with the axe. At this point, Dalton, Kennelly, and Brown had had enough and got the fuck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, I wrote, got the fuck out of Dodge on my notes. Oh, wow, you did too. <laughs> <laughs> Kennelly and Brown ended up getting back to Macquarie Harbour, but Dalton died of exhaustion, apparently. For those that aren't watching the video, I'm doing funny <laughs> quotation marks. Apparently died of exhaustion. Mm. So this left Greenhills, Travers, John Mather, and Pierce. So there's only four of them left. One's dead. Pickles. Two's dead. And two have gone back to, hey, I'm back to the jail. Because um, jail's preferable in this context. To be in England, I would suggest so. But I have not seen, I've seen jails that harrow back to that time. And maybe not so. They've been pretty awful. But these people seem pretty awful for what they did. So, um, yeah, this is those those four dudes with um, Greenhills and Travers acting as a team. So Pierce decided that he'd go with what way the butter looked better on the toast and went with Travers and Greenhills and ganged up and Mathers was the next one to be killed and eaten. Yep. But Pierce got really lucky in the fact that Travers got bitten by a snake. Now, Greenhills demanded that they carried him five days, but Travers' health declined, and um, Greenhills ended up killing him, and they ate him. But this dude's had poison in his body for like five days. Now, I'm not a herptologist. I don't know nothing about poison, but you would think that if it killed him, that I probably wouldn't be eating him. Depends on what part of the anatomy you choose to consume. I think it'd be pretty much all through his bloodstream, which pretty much goes through all of your anatomy, as far as I know. We'd have to check that with a, uh, a professional, or we might be able to ask our son. Yeah, he knows a lot about that, right? Yeah. But I'm just thinking, like, poison much? I'd be, I'd be, I'd be hesitating. Yeah. Um, probably would be too. Yeah. So Piers and Greenhills then started, like, this cat and mouse game of who was going to kill who, and blah, 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 blah. Yes. And and the whole saying of, you've got to sleep sometime. So, Pierce ended up getting the axe from Green Hills, killed him and ate him. Mm -hmm. Then he set off again towards Hobart. Um, 
after he ran out of green hills to eat, he um, raided, uh, Pierce raided an Aboriginal campsite and took their food. Yeah. And then he then stole sheep from property. Um, but his luck held because when he was discovered eating a lamb, it was actually an old friend of his that found him. Because <laughs> that's just how things go in the old country. Not, it's not even the old country, it's the olden times. It's, it's our a, new world, but in the nineteen early 19th century. I'm an idiot. No, you're not. You're just yeah, <laughs> struggling to... Yeah. I, I'm struggling today. Find the appropriate um, analogies and concepts. English is hard. English is hard. Um... So, was an old friend, yeah. So he was he was inducted into a sheep stealing gang of bush rangers because that was a thing to do back then, mm-hmm. um, which was completely illegal, by the way. Bush ranging was illegal completely. Um, and he was caught with um, William Davies and Ralph Churton. The two that he was caught with were hanged for bush rangering and escaped from a military escort. So. Obviously, they were being escorted from one jail to another or something like that and took off. Mm. Um, and then went on bush ranger uh, That's so the technical term. That was a technical term. You have to get that going. Yeah, bush ranger So, Pierce was on the run for 113 days and a little less than half was in the wilderness. So this includes his bush rangering and, and all that. While locked up in Hobart, because they obviously were hot, closer to Hobart than they were to Macquarie Harbour when he was mm. captured, he confessed to the Reverend John Knotwood, who was the magistrate and the chaplain, because yeah. there was no separation of church and state there. You um, also have um, limited demographics yeah, to draw from and distance. People, so... They just had to go with what they had. But, yeah, potential conflicts of interest are overlooked. Oh, yeah. Because of the realities of the situation. Yeah. Well, Notwood didn't believe Pierce with the story about the cannibalism and and um, whatnot. And he can, and Notwood convinced himself that the rogue convicts were bushrangering like Pierce was. Mm. Um, so he sent Pierce back to Sarah Island, as you do. As you do. Because he got... Like when you're out on parole, if you get busted, you go back to jail. Hmm. He just wasn't legally allowed to leave. Um, after returning to Sarah Island, Pierce immediately started planning another escape with another convict. Of course he Tom, did. Thomas Cox, who was a young convict. Mm-hmm. So could quite easily be quite you know, influenced quite readily in that kind of thing. Um, he was only, They were only in the room for 10 days in this case. So, um, when he was captured, he confessed that he killed an ate Cox, but was not believed. Again, because why would you? Mm. Shut up. Watch thing. Um, uh, but he wasn't believed until human flesh was found on his person. That'll do it. That's um, yeah. hard to explain away. Um, Pierce killed Cox after an argument that Cox couldn't swim the river and be, and he became a hindrance for Pierce to escape. Yeah. So it's just like, kill you. Take your venison. Wait, what? Um, so Pierce made three confessions all up. One to Knockwood, which is the one that like everyone gets all the information from. That was mm. the one that he confessed to about the, the main killings. Mm. 
went to Lieutenant Cuthbertson, commandant, commandant of the Macquarie Harbour after the second escape. So, um, he confessed to him that he killed Cox and, and Amy. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. And then one to Father Philip Connolly, a Catholic priest, the night before his execution. Um, this was also a big one, and this one was also published in the Hobart paper. Whatever it was called. I can't remember. There were inconsistencies. The Hobart Gazette or something like that? Something like that. But um, there were inconsistencies between all three of the confessions. Mm. Um, which wouldn't have helped with the believability factor. No. But he was found with flesh in his pants' pockets. Oh, cocks. So he got that. So Pierce was sent to Hobart and appeared in front of the Supreme Court of Van Diemen's Land, which was only newly um, established. Mm hmm. Whereas tried and convicted of murdering and cannibalizing Thomas Cox. Even though it was stated that he did not look like a cannibal, what does one look like? Maybe it had a, um, a, a, a racial and ethnographic um, basis. He was also tiny. Like, uh, he was a small man. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've heard that. He was apparently rather petite by the standards of, well, the, the, his demographic in particular, the convict, Demographic mm. in Van Diemen's Land at the time. But what does a cannibal look like? Mm. Um, he was found to have pieces of cocks in his pocket, even though he still had food as well. So he didn't kill him out of necessity like he did with the others. He killed him because he became a pain in the ass. And just save him for later. Yeah, why not? For like, you think about a it. special occasion. Wait, you think about it. He's planning. <laughs> He's anyway. planning on hopefully being out in the wilderness for like for however long and mm. stuff. So like when you got food, you keep it until you need it. Mm. That was disgusting. I know, <sighs> but you really it out can't it. talk just in terms of your life. No, <laughs> I've never eaten anyone though. No, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, his guilt was beyond doubt. And Neither have I. Well, that's good too. Thank you. Yeah. And he confessed to the crime. So he mm. was definitely, like, buggered. Um, he was the first felon to be tried before the new Supreme Court and the first confessed cannibal. See, that's how that's how new this new the Supreme Court was. He was the first one to be tried before them. Wow. Yeah. And he was the first confessed cannibal to go through the Tasmanian court system. How many? I have no idea. I want to know this. So do I now. <laughs> I now want to know this, yes. Um, Pierce was hanged in Hobart Town Jail at 9am on the 19th of July, 2000. 1824. When he was over 200 years old, thereby setting another record. Yeah. He received his last rite. I could have spoken to him. We could have spoken to him. I know, right? (laughs) He, he received his last rites from Father Connolly. His last words were reported to be, man's flesh is delicious. It tastes far better than fish or pork. But saying that... Yes. How much would the media have sensationalised the fact that they were going to hang a cannibal? Quite possibly there was some artistic license. As soon as you mention whom the topic of today's uh, episode was, I immediately thought of that quote 
that I read in a history of bush ranging ages ago. I'm so glad it's in your research notes. If they weren't, I was going to bring that up in our discussion at the end. Which bit? His final words. Oh, yeah. 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 Because right. they're very... um. They're very very iconic, and uh, yeah, definitely. If there's um, dramatic license and romanticization going on, then it's definitely you know a hook for future generations to remember the end mm. of this sordid tale and yeah. the execution of the, the, the criminal cannibal. Mm. Yeah. So the last thing in my notes that I've got is the last confer- is the media that like has come out of. Alexander Pierce's story. Oh, that was going to be something else I asked you about. Yeah, there's the last confession of Alexander Pierce, which is a biographical um, movie. Yes. Or documentary, docu, docu, whatever it is. Um, it's a biographical look at um, Alexander Pierce. Dying Breed is a horror story Ooh. about Alexander <clears throat> Pierce's descendants or something. Oh, okay. So and, evil and, getting passed down the gen. Yeah, it, lo- it actually looks really good. Like it sounds really good. I haven't looked at it, but it sounds really good, and I'd actually like to check it out. But and then um, the more famous biographical yes. movie, which is Van Diemen's Land, which is which on our list of things I have to not watch. seen yet. I should have watched it as part of the research for this podcast, but it would have given you an excuse. It would have given to me check an it excuse. out on Stan. Um, There's at least one streaming platform that it's on currently. Yeah, um, but to be honest, with trying to catch up with the podcast and everything, yeah. I wanted to do one that was um, maybe a little bit more simple mm-hmm. um, and a little bit shorter. Like this will be a shorter episode because yeah, there isn't a hell of a lot de- of detail. About what happened. Yeah. How old are the two former, the, 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 the first two? I think they're all within the last, like, all within the 2000s. I know that there has been, that, that there is a literature about Pierce. There have oh, been biographies. There's, there's, and you'd recommend. There are biographies and there are books and, um, and all that kind of thing. There are quite a few in Australia. So chapters in histories of Australian bushranging. <laughs> chapters in histories of Australia. Chapters yeah. in his, in murders of Australia. I think there's a chapter in celluloid serial killers by Paul B. Kidd, who is a great Australian author of, mm. of murder and crime. No, he's very accomplished. That would not um, surprise me. I have quite a lot of his books. Um, I think it's in Cellular Serial Kills. It might be in something else. But there, I, I swear it's in one of his story, one of his books. You know what was interesting to, um, to, to me? One of the early points in um, Pierce's early chronology after he arrived in Van Diemen's Land. Um, his offences that stem from drunkenness. Because in Australia, of course, we have a long history of um, tears of vernacular getting on the piss, heavy yeah. drinking. And in... Oh, all of the colonies that ended up um, using convict labour, starting off with New South Wales and, and Tasmania, the economy was fueled to a great degree by by alcohol. It was used as payment, transactions were made in, in alcohol, and it was used as incentives, rewards. There were um, s- normally spirits, rations given out to all, all um, levels of society. Including convicts, so it's just more so wealthier, though. Of course, but but that's the same with anything, though. But uh, drinking, getting, as you said, 
using the vernacular, getting on the piss in Australia is it's part of our culture, mm-hmm. and so is uh, sorry about that. So is convicts. Mm. It is part of our culture. We have a beer, I think it is called 150 Lashes or something. Yes, we do. Well, you know, you work in liquor, so um, James Squire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, even like 200 years later, we're still celebrating both alcohol and convict heritage. And the fact that Pierce was uh, was Irish, I don't know um, whether he was a uh, a, a, a big drinker. Uh, generally, apart from these um, reported uh, uh, offences, uh, and before he came to, uh, to 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 Van Diemen's Land and, and during his life, but that would kind of been feeding into the cycle too in the in the convict context of the the, the Irish as as heavy drinkers as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Irish do have a reputation the same as Australians do of mm. being able to drink people under the table. And it's fair earned, to be honest. And, you know, you know, convict stock and mm. being exploited and, you know, not given a fair fair deal by the English and whatnot. Yeah. Mm. That right. whole sectarian historical like we jokingly like Dirk's got Scottish in him, mm-hmm. um, but he's majority English. That's correct. And um, we we give each other a lot of crap because oh, yes. I'm Celtic mm-hmm. with my heritage from my convict heritage. We're Celts and um, Dutch and Scandinavian. I'm half Dutch from my mum, but on my dad's side, I came over. We came over here with the first fleet with my Thomas Gray, Charles Gray, Charles Gray. Sorry. Yeah, he came, we came over on the first fleet with, with Charles Grey, and he was part of the Grey clan in Scotland, mm-hmm. and Dirk was part of the Gordon clan in Scotland, but that's, but we just like to give each other crap about it. Oh, absolutely. A lot yeah. of fun. Yes. <laughs> I, I call him a bastard quite often. <laughs> and because um, Syl has got uh, Welsh heritage on the paternal side, I make jokes about him being a sheep shagger. Yeah, well, yeah, good. <laughs> because, oh, no, you didn't. I had to. Oh. Go you and your pussy English. And for an international audience, too. I don't think it's as well known uh, in Australia um, as opposed to New Zealand, which has the same reputation, but Wales has a reputation. Oh, come for... on. The Kiwis say that we're sheep shaggers. We say that they're sheep shaggers. The Welsh, the English say Welsh are sheep shaggers. The Welsh probably say that English are sheep shaggers. But in England, what is it with sheep? Wales what makes them a sexy animal is the equivalent for um, New Zealand in relation to to us. Okay, but what makes sheep such a sexy animal that people want to shag them all? I think it's because of the amount of uh, acreage devoted to pastoral pursuits, like sheep. So much, so much of the population being uh, involved in. Um, in farming, that's their vocation. Isolation, uh, more men than women. It's a whole lot of factors. I, I'm sorry, the sheep are not sexy. Well, or maybe if you shave their rear ends and put fishnets on them. I don't know. I it's don't a subjective know, thing. And also, like, it was a popular living commodity in a lot of these contexts too. I mean, we have more sheep than people in this country for one thing, and that goes back quite a while. Oh, we do, but we yeah. don't have a lot of people here either. Like, we've got one of the biggest continents in the world. And we've mm. got, like, one of the smallest populations of, like, the the developing world. 
Yeah, because so much of our landmass is not really suited for um, high-density populations. No, we're all stuck on the coast. Yeah. We're on the mountain, technically, but you know what I mean. Where'd this all come out of? Oh, yes. I have no idea. Getting you stick because... Because <laughs> I'm Welsh. Because you're Welsh. <laughs> she oh, I'm only a little itty-bitty Welsh. I'm an itty-bitty Welsh baby. I like the Welsh, but anybody listening in <laughs> Wales right now, I actually... We love Wales, FYI. Even though we've never been there. For one, want you to guys to have there. a dragon on your flag. How much cooler can you get? And want to go to Ireland too, which is very, very relevant to this. To well, this I want to go and visit all of them. Mm. And just go, hey, I'm here. I used to live here. My Well, my ancestors. <laughs> Was there anything that struck you in particular going through your notes? I can understand the whole, people. can't really understand the whole killing and eating people. I know people have done it in the past, like in dire circumstances. So like, I can get that. I can get my head around that. What I can't get my head around, like, so so his first escape, I can get my head around him having to eat his his, his fellow convicts and, and that, to survive, to get through and, and, and that whole um, survival of the fittest and, and shit like that. What I can't mm. get is you kill someone because they don't want to cross a river yet you keep them on you and I, and I know I tried to, to hypothesize why he would have done that earlier but I still don't get why he would keep keep the food and then carry on. Maybe he was going a little mad soon. Maybe. You would think. <laughs> hey, back to that snake poison. Yep. I'm sure that'd do something to your brain. This whole um, midsection, which uh, which are the uh, to to use a cinematic term, money shots. All of the, uh, the 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 time spent in the wilderness. It's like uh, a a a dark uh, prequel um, to this motif in Australian literature in the late 19th century of uh, children born to, you know, civilised um, parents of uh, of white stock. On the video, like Sil was earlier, I'm using uh, bunny quotations. <laughs> getting lost in the bush. Getting uh, lost in the wilderness away from civilization. This is a very dark version of that, and it's also got parallels with... Um, with Grimm's fairy tales and other folklorists, exactly right, writing at roughly the same time over in the old world in Europe about dark deeds going on in the forest. Yeah, and it's like stories like this that give us that whole, oh, forest, Mm -hmm. or wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. That was the other thing that came to mind, really. Yeah, it just um, goes, continues that narrative. Yeah. The civilised... Being getting frayed and warped and breaking down in in uh, in the wilderness in the forest. Yeah. yeah what was that saying? Wow. I heard this saying. On, I saw this saying on Facebook or something. Might have been Instagram. Mm. You're not af- you're not afraid of being alone in the woods. You're afraid of not being alone in the woods. And that's it. <laughs> so, and but- I wonder if there's any more information about the uh, the the SKP's interactions with the local indigenous population because we're less than a decade away from uh 
the the the, the final um, government policies, including the uh, including the dragnet to uh, to round up and contain Tasma- Tasmania's indigenous population, and that of course led to the um, yeah pretty much the extinction of um, thriving uh, Tasmanian indigenous culture by the late nineteenth century. From what I've read, now I didn't get to do as much. I never get to do as much research as I would like to do. Welcome to life. Yeah, pretty much. Welcome to life. But mm-hmm. um, from what I had read, um, they kind of, when he came into the campsite, they just kind of left and let him do what they, he needed to do. And then he left and then they came back and went and got more food and whatever. Yeah. Um, that's about all I, I, I got out of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We've had fun rambling. We have certainly had fun rambling. And we know that this is a bit of a shorter one. We promise that it'll be a bit longer next week. Um, just trying to get back in the saddle and, and start getting some content out for you guys. Um, thanks for listening. But thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for dealing with all of our rambling and carry on. I hope you weren't um, <laughs> turned turned off. You didn't tune out with, with our long little um, tangent. Yes. Um, about our heritage. Heritages. Yep. And if you could give us a thumbs up or a share or whatever helps the platform that you're watching this on or listening to this on know that we're around, that'd be great. And don't eat people. No, Please, don't eat people. Please, for the love of God, don't eat people. Don't eat people. This show does not endorse. No. Cannibalism. Not at all. No, no. Unless you're in a plane in the Andes. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> and you're a soccer team. And well, if you don't get that, <laughs> maybe look it up. Well, they were Catholic too. And, you know, they could justify, some of them could justify it in their minds by saying it's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, real quick. Soccer team flew into the Andes, big plane crash. They were stuck there for ages. People died. They ate them. 972. But they didn't kill them. No, they were already dead. So there's Big a Big difference. There's a loophole, maybe? I don't know. Big difference. Yes. Yeah. Don't eat people. And, yeah, no, don't eat people. <laughs> just don't do it. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Okay, bye. Bye! <laughs> <laughs>